It drives me nuts when people use only lanes to merge into traffic. And I had a bad habit of getting mad and honking at those drivers. Come on! Until one day I got stuck in an only lane and found myself trying to merge over and relying on the graciousness of another driver to let me in. <sighs> Sometimes we don't fully appreciate grace until we understand just how flawed we are. It's the same with God. When we're finally able to recognize our desperate need for help, that we view his love in a completely different light. See, God's abundant love for us is the one thing which not only gives us the strength to handle the difficulties of this life, but it also helps us to deal with life with grace and maturity. Welcome to Simple Truths for Life with Charles Tapp. Here, we hope you'll find answers to some of life's everyday struggles. You can learn more by visiting simpletruthsforlife.org. It's not because of the things you've done, but because of love that you've been saved. Today, Charles Tapp reveals the great lengths God goes to show his love for you and how that love should operate in your life. As he shares this special message, because of love. It has been said that the most loved as well as the most memorized verse in all of scripture, hands down, has to be John 3, 16. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. For many, it was the first verse that they ever put to memory as a child. John 3, 16 is, is so well known that you don't even have to be a Christian. You don't even have to be, believe in the Bible to be familiar with this tremendous, tremendous verse. As a matter of fact, at many sporting events, especially at the NFL games, you will see someone in the crowd wearing an Afro-style rainbow wig who has strategically placed himself behind the goalpost so as to be conspicuously visible to the television camera and the millions of viewers. While he raises this sign that says, John 3, 16. How many of you have seen that? You don't watch a lot of football, do you? The person who first initiated this, his name is Roland Frederick Stewart. And when asked why he would go to these football games and stand behind the goalposts and raise this sign, especially when it was time to kick an extra point or a field goal, his response went something like this, because the world needs to hear this awesome message that God loves them. Amen? Now, regardless of whether you agree with his methods or not, there are things that we as believers cannot dispute, and that is this. God's love for the world, number one, and the need to share it with that world. It's not enough for God to love the world. But if those of us who know this awesome truth that God truly does love us and we dare not tell it, then shame on us. Now, I'm not saying go out and buy an Afro rainbow wig, but we need to share the message 
of God's love to a world that really does not truly understand that the God of heaven does love them. And when you read God's word, you, you see and you read this message of God's love from Genesis to the book of Revelation. But there's probably no better contributor to Scripture that has been able to deal with and tackle this theme of God's love than that of the Apostle Paul. And when you think of the Apostle Paul and when you think of the theme of love, I'm sure the first thing that comes to your mind is 1 Corinthians chapter 13, where Paul masterfully articulates the love of God and what it's all about. But I don't believe that is the greatest exposition on the topic of love, especially God's love that Paul wrote. But I believe that the most powerful exposition is not in 1 Corinthians 13, where Paul talks about how we need to express God's love in our day-to-day -day lives with others. I believe the most powerful exposition of the Word of God that Paul wrote was to the church at Rome, and it's found in Romans chapter 5, beginning with verses 1 to verse 5. So I'm going to invite you to turn there with me as we begin. Look at what Paul begins to say about this issue of the love of God. He says, therefore, having been justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom also we have access by faith into this grace in which we stand and rejoice in the hope of the glory of God. And not only that, he says, but we also glory in what? Tribulations. We'll come back to that in a minute. Knowing that tribulation produces perseverance. And perseverance, he says, produces what? Character, and character produces hope. Now look at verse 5. Now hope does not disappoint because the love of God has been poured out into the hearts by the Holy Spirit, to our hearts rather, by the Holy Spirit who has given to us. And let's just make this clear at the onset. Paul is dealing, first of all, with a very major theme in all of his writings, especially in the epistle of the Romans. The book of Romans is probably the most important book in all of Scripture. But Paul is dealing with this in the context of being justified, dealing with the doctrine of justification. In other words, he's saying that because of Christ's death on the cross and us accepting that by faith, we are now acquitted. We have been declared righteous. We are now placed in a right standing with God. No longer are we enemies of God, but through the grace of Jesus Christ, now all of us are in a right relationship with God. And as a result of being justified, being in this right relationship, Paul now says, we have what? Peace with God. In other words, Paul was saying, because of our sin, we were enemies. 
but the cross canceled the debt, paid it in full, so you and I are no longer enemies of God. We are friends of God. We are children of the Most High God. Who says amen today? And this peace, he says, now places us in a position to receive the grace of God. Now I can live my life knowing that I have God's favor on my life. And because I have this grace, I now can have hope in seeing Christ return in all of his glory. He goes on to say that even in dealing with trials and, and tribulations, because I now have this hope, it gives me strength to endure. I've got confidence. Doesn't mean I'm happy. Don't let anybody tell you that Paul is saying, now because you are in these trials, you should be happy. I don't know anybody who's happy to be in a trial. Anybody happy to be in a trial? Because if you are, I need to have a serious conversation with you later. He's not saying, oh, be happy because we're in a trial. That's not what he's saying at all. That word joyous means be confident, be assured that you have the hope of seeing Christ again. So if you've got the hope of seeing him again, these trials really don't matter all that much because one day all of these trials will come to a blessed end. And all God's people said, amen. amen. But in the meantime, he's saying, be confident that God allows these trials to come into your life, not to harm you, not to hurt you, but to help you to grow, to help you to persevere, to help you to endure. And how do we get endurance? Any joggers out here? Any joggers? Let me see some these young people. Any joggers? You guys need to exercise more. <laughs> One jogger back here. If you want endurance, how do you get endurance? By sitting on the couch? Getting endurance? No, you get out there and run. I thought I was going to be a, a runner. But after I started running, I recognized very quickly, God did not make me to be a runner. <laughs> to thine own self be true, Shakespeare said, no, your limitations. I am not a runner. I'm a tennis player. Amen. That's another topic altogether. <laughs> but you get endurance by dealing with the difficulty of running when you don't even feel like running anymore. And then you realize the next time you come out, I can run a little further now. We all want perseverance, but we don't want the trials that help to give us perseverance. You can't have it both ways. But Paul says, be confident and knowing that all these things that God allows to come into your life are because of his abundant love that he has for you. That's what he means in verse 5, that the Holy Spirit is letting you know that God does love you. Let's look at it this way. Because of love, Jesus died on the cross so that you and I could have a right standing with God. And if God was willing to experience the death of the cross through his son, Jesus Christ, you and I can be assured that our hope is not in vain. Why do I say that? Because if God was willing to die on the cross, 
Don't you realize there's nothing God will withhold from you? Amen? So the ultimate ground of our hope stands on the fact that you and I can receive God's abundant love. See, God's abundant love for us is the one thing which not only gives us the strength to handle the difficulties of this life, but it also helps us to deal with life with grace and maturity. But it also serves as the source of our hope for the future. Because here's the thing about God's love. God's love, please don't miss this, is not based on what he does. God's love is based on who he is. You and I, our love is based on what we do. We can be loving. God, by his very nature, his very essence is love. Now, look at this. If that is the case, then, whatever God does is based on the fact that God is what? Love. And whatever God allows to come into my life and your life is based on the fact that God is love. So Paul says, if tribulations are coming into your life, don't be afraid. It's allowed by a loving God. I used to hate when my parents would spank me and tell me, we're doing this because we love you. Parents ever tell you that? Don't be afraid. I don't care if they're sitting out here. Yes. And I would tell them, I don't want that kind of love. You can keep that kind of love. But now, fast forward so many years to the future. Listen, I thank God for every spanking I got except for one. Listen, there's one spanking I know I did not deserve. I was innocent. That's my story, and I'm sticking to it. But I know now those other 49 spankings that I got. I'm talking about a lifetime, people, okay? Those other 49 spankings that I got, I thank God for them because of those spankings through the, my parents who love me helped me to become a disciplined person of character. So Paul says, don't be afraid when these things happen. It's coming from a loving God. And if God allows it, there's something in your life, something in your character. You need to build some endurance. You're listening to Simple Truths for Life with Charles Tapp and his message, Because of Love. And if you're enjoying this message or you'd like to find others like it, you can find out more by visiting simpletruthsforlife.org. We'll conclude with the rest of his message right after this. Man, when I think about WGTS, I think about family, and uh, WGTS lifts me up. The whole crew has truly been a blessing in my life, and um, I'm forever grateful for WGTS and what they do for myself and for the community. We are Your support makes a difference. I always uh, encourage people, like, you want to listen to something, be encouraged when you're going through a tough time, starting at 91.9. Um, they are definitely up with the spirits. And uh, especially in the trying time we're in right now in society. Working together to impact the nation's capital. We are and I am forever grateful for, for the WGPS family because that's exactly what it is, family. 
And we get to be a part of that as listeners, which is, which is amazing. Listener funded. WGTS 91.9. Always encouraging. At 88.3 on the Eastern Shore. This is Simple Truths for Life. And when you realize just how incredible God's love is and how much you need it, you'll want to share it with everyone. Today, Charles Tapp shares how that love should operate in your life as he concludes his message, Because of Love. Let's go back to Romans. And let's look at Romans 5. Go back to verse 5, and then let's go all the way through to verse 8. Look at what he says. Now, hope does not disappoint. We already talked about that. Because the love of God has been poured out into our hearts by the Holy Spirit who was given to us. All right? For when we were still without what? Strength. In due time, Christ did what? Died for the ungodly. For scarcely for a righteous man will one die. Yet perhaps for a good man, someone would even dare to die. Now here's verse 8. But God, that's a sermon all by itself, amen? But God, dot, dot, dot. One day I'm going to preach that, but God. But God demonstrates his own love toward us in that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. What is Paul saying? First of all, he says, first of all, that when you were without strength, in other words, you and I never possessed the power, the ability to save ourselves. We could never keep the law in its complete fullness. You and I through our works, could never reach a point where our works would equal salvation. That's the first thing that he's saying. Secondly, he's saying that in the due time, when the time was just right, that's when God came in. Paul makes it clear here that when it came and when it comes to our salvation, God was not caught off guard. It was not an afterthought. It was not something that caught him off guard. But he planned for it from the very foundation of the world. Here's the thing we've got to remember. When it comes to the issue of saving someone, how many of you know timing is everything? When you're talking about salvation, timing is everything. I told you eight years ago when we came back here to Sligo, can you believe it's been that long? I told you how when I was a young person, in college, I went to a summer camp to work for the summer to make some money to get back into school. We had just filled the pool. We had just repaired the pool. As a matter of fact, I helped to repair the pool. I had just learned how to swim that summer. And I caught a cramp swimming in 12 feet of water. And I remember going down to the bottom of the pool, but not being afraid because I was told, if you get in trouble, don't panic. You panic, you will drown. I wasn't panicking. Matter of fact, I thought I was being pretty cool. I pushed myself up. I said, this is nothing. I'm going to get out of here. I came up. I waved to the people. They didn't see me. I said, no problem. Go back down. I'm going to try it again. Came up. This time I waved with two hands. Hey, guys. Nobody saw me. I went back down. I said, okay, last time I'm going up. This time I'm going to scream. I came up, opened my mouth. Nothing could come out. Went back down to the pool. It was me and the drain. I was sitting on top of the drain. 
in 12 feet of water. And I was having this conversation with God. No, seriously. When I write a book one day, it's going to be in there. I was having this conversation with God, and the conversation was something like this. Okay, God, I'm ready to die. I've gone up three times. No one has seen me. Nobody has heard me. I am ready to die. And I sat at the bottom of the pool, drinking in water, waiting to die. And then I heard a voice in my head that said, you're not going to die. Look up. So I looked up, and I didn't ask questions because when you're drowning, you don't ask questions. <laughs> so I looked up, and I saw this blue object floating in the water, and I grabbed it, and it pulled me out of the water. It was the lifeguard. His name was Michael Wright. I still remember his name because when somebody saves you, you never forget their name. Had a conversation with Michael later. He said, man, I'm just glad we had that hook, which I purchased that morning, by the way. I said, man, I'm so glad you saw me the third time. And then this funny look came over his face. He said, third time? What do you mean? I said, yeah, yeah. I came up three times. He said, I only saw you come up that last time. If I had not come up the third time, and if he had not seen me at that moment, somebody would be here preaching, but it would not be me. When it comes to the issue of salvation, timing is everything. And Paul says, when it came to our salvation, it didn't catch God off guard. It was not an afterthought. God planned for it from the very foundation of the world. And who did he die for? Paul says he died for the ungodly. How many of you ever look at yourself in the mirror and go, I'm ungodly? Do you ever associate that word with yourself? Pastor, he says he does. I don't. I'm just going to be honest. I've never really associated that word with myself until now. I'm ungodly. I'm one of the ungodly ones. Because the word ungodly, all it means is what? We're unlike God. And all of us, whether we believe it or are willing to accept it, all of us fall into the category of being ungodly. We think ungodly is talking about somebody else. Guess who ungodly is talking about? Talking about me. Talking about every one of us in here because all of us are unlike God. And Paul says Christ came at just the right time to die for you and to die for me. Amen? Which means if all of us fall into the category of being ungodly, none of us needs to look down on anybody else because we're all in the same boat together. Look at what the Christian author Philip Yancey has to say about this in his book, What's So Amazing About God's Grace. Look at what he says. He says, one who has been touched by what? Grace. Will no longer look on those who stray as those evil people or those people who need our help. Nor must we search for signs of what? Love worthiness. In other words, I'll only love you if I deem you worthy of my love. Grace teaches us that God loves because of who he is, not because of who we are. Which means if God loves me not because of who I am, I don't have any right to withhold the love of God from anybody. 
I don't have any right to look down on you because you're one of the ungodly. We're all ungodly, but we're the ungodly that have been saved by the love of God. And that's what the resurrection is all about. But now Paul closes his argument. Now he begins to show a contrast between man's love and God's love. And he says, for scarcely for a righteous man will one die. You would think somebody would die for a righteous man, right? But when Paul talks about a righteous man, he's talking about someone like a Pharisee, someone who keeps the law and who thinks that their salvation is wrapped up in their works. And the reason why some might possibly die for that person is because that person has fooled people into believing that they are godly. Then he says, yeah, perhaps for a good man, some would consider dying. Again, you would think we would die for a good man. But good here is not talking about God's goodness. It's talking about being charitable. It's talking about doing good things for people. Paul's point is simple, that this is the extent of man's love. Man might possibly die for someone if they think that person is worthy to be died for. But Jesus says, Paul says in his writing, but Christ didn't wait for us to become worthy, but he died for us while we were still sinners. It says this is how God demonstrates his love. That word demonstrate is a very weak word. What it really means, this is the proof. You want proof that God loves you? You think because trials come into your life that God doesn't love you? Here's the proof that God loves you. He died for you even though you weren't worthy of his death. While you were still in your sins, while you were still in your mess. Listen, there's nothing you can do and there's nothing I can do that can cause God to love me any more or can cause God to love me any less. Pastor, are you saying that because God loves me, we're all going to heaven? No, God will love you all the way to hell. What do you mean, Pastor? If you want to go to hell, he will love you as you make your bed in hell. But here's the thing. God desires that you and I will respond to his love and accept that love and that grace so that we can enter into this right relationship with him. This weekend is all about God's love. And because of God's love, you and I don't have to be in hell. We never even have to glimpse hell. Because of God's love, we have a certain hope that Christ is coming again and he's coming back for me and he's coming back for you. But here's the thing I want you to leave, I want to leave you with that I don't want any of us to miss. Some of us, this is what troubles me, especially at this time every year. Some of us truly don't fully appreciate the cross and the resurrection. And here's why I believe that is the case. Because many of us don't see a need in our lives for the cross. We think that if we just follow doctrine and keep certain beliefs, that we're all right. We're not in the ungodly category. That's that other group over there. They're the ungodly. And that's why when the resurrection comes around, we're like, well, we really shouldn't be celebrating. What? Yes. Are you kidding me? Not celebrating and acknowledging the resurrection? Without it, we have nothing. 
And the reason why some are not really into it is because they don't realize how far God had to rescue them to bring them to this point. If you really understood, and if I really understood how decrepit and sinful I was, we would be running to the cross. You don't have the cross, you have nothing. Nothing. Paul says, because we have the cross, even in the midst of our tribulation, we have everything. I'm ungodly. You're ungodly. And that's who Christ died for. Not because of our worthiness, which means there's nothing you can do to have God love you any more than what he already does. And there's nothing you, listen to me, there's nothing you can do to cause God to love you any less than he already does because it's not based on behavior, it's based on his nature. You've been listening to Simple Truths for Life with Charles Tapp and his message, Because of Love. And if you want to listen again or share it with someone, you can find these messages on platforms like Apple Podcasts and now also on Spotify or visit us online at simpletruthsforlife.org. You don't head out on a road trip without some sort of guidance, a GPS or a map. And we all need direction in our lives too. Next week, Charles Tapp shares a three-part series that offers you that guidance as he shares part one of Jesus, the way, the truth, and the life. Well, thanks for listening, and we hope you'll plan to join us again next week for more Simple Truths for Life.